0: Hey, everyone. I'm uh, adding this bit in in post because it actually the news came out while I was about to render the podcast. Um, So most of this episode deals with a SEPTA fare restructuring, right? SEPTA's um, Philadelphia's, you know, bus and trolley and subway public transportation uh, network, right? Uh, We're talking about a fare restructuring, which included a fare increase for certain people, which is going to get pushed through during this pandemic we're having right now, right? Well, just as I was about to render this, uh, SEPTA announced they're going to postpone that fare increase until January 2021, while uh, the good parts of the restructuring, which were uh, free transfers, are still going to go through on uh, June 1st. So, a lot of this episode is already out of date, Less than 24 hours after we recorded. But, you know, the news moves fast sometimes. Anyway, we at the uh, Philly Transit Riders Union are going to try and ask for more. So, you know, listen to our calls for action, sign up to do stuff, uh, join Philly Transit Riders Union. You know, you can be part of a political organization that wins stuff. You know, we've been doing a lot of, a lot of winning recently, actually. It's felt pretty good. Um, anyway... Onto the podcast. Um, hello, everyone, and welcome to a special emergency episode. Um, put a, do we put wanna a do si- it like put, a siren, yeah, siren. Put yeah. A, yeah, put a siren there. we <laughs> put the action news theme? That, we, <laughs> so get we'll get a a, we get a copyright strike. Oh, a copyright strike. Right, excuse special me. Special emergency episode of well, there's your problem podcast about engineering disasters. I'm Justin Rosniak, I'm the person who's talking right now, um, and um, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the guy who talks about engineering. Um, Nailed it. Yes. you um, want to do your pronouns,
1: or you just Oh gonna- yeah, I have to do
0: pronouns, yes, <laughs> uh, my pronouns are he,
1: him. Dude, you want to go next, or you want me to?
2: Ah, uh, I can go. Uh. Hey everybody, my name is June Armstrong, my pronouns are she and her, and I have an uh, art history degree, which I was reminded as I was thinking about getting on this podcast, even Barack Obama says is worthless. Uh, I'm also the member sh- or the recording secretary for the Philadelphia Transit Riders Union, uh, the reason for the season.
1: Yes. Uh, my pronouns yeah. are she and her. <laughs> so nice, you'd said them twice. Uh no, finally perfect. I nailed it. We're doing great. Yeah. I am <laughs> Liam Anderson. Uh my pronouns are he and him. Uh I have an economics degree and a mathematics degree from Rutgers University. Uh and I am the person more often than not who's screaming at you on Twitter and or in the YouTube comment section when you people uh decide to just be difficult for no fucking reason.
0: Yes. And uh, <laughs> unfortunately not with us today is Alice who um who
1: is too tired to record because she's a little baby.
0: <laughs> I was going to say what actually happened is uh you ever watch old Doctor Who? Uh she got picked up by the Time Scoop from the Five Doctors and is now on trial with the Intergalactic Council of Landlords. So, RIP. Uh, ho, ho,
2: ho. Well, she's yeah. got that law degree, so it'll probably end up fine.
0: It'll be fine. Yeah, her, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but don't represent yourself don't do it no never no. never do that no no so um today we have a special episode uh brought to you by the Philadelphia Transit Riders Union we're going to talk about public transit in the age of coronavirus
1: <laughs>
0: now let's let's start the way we start every SEPTA board meeting please rise for the pledge of allegiance i'm not getting up bro no not saying it. I, I, I'm, I'm wondering how I even start this video. Uh,
1: just do I ha- you want to just reads- insert the audio file of the. Oh boy. No, I'm going to make this work somehow. Why don't you just crudely draw the the flag? It started in a web oh. browser. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is what it does. I pledge allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag, to the flag of the United States of
2: America. That's, that's just terrific. Uh, Big body. props to Nat Lounge for putting this video together. <laughs> yeah.
1: Thank you, Nat. <laughs> that's brutal. <laughs> All right. We love you, Nat.
0: Yes. Okay, so, um, shit, where are the notes? Uh, oh, Jesus. Ah, uh, no notes. Okay. So, uh, we don't need notes for this slide, we just need to bring the thing up. Okay. So, uh, let's, let's start this presentation by talking about What is the Philadelphia Transit Riders Union? Yes.
1: What is the Philadelphia Transit Riders Union, Jude?
2: So the Philadelphia (laughs) Transit Riders Union, of which Justin is a member, um, along with myself and many others, uh, is a democratic grassroots organization of transit riders, workers, and residents who are organizing together to defend and expand public transit. We believe that public transit is a public good and should be equitable, affordable, and sustainable. Um, and really, the, the Philly True was formed to focus on SEPTA specific issues. Um, I'm sure that we will get into the myriad of ways that uh, a large uh, government style institution that responds to five counties, uh, you know, a, a transit or the Department of Transit and other agencies can become an engineering disaster. Um, but really what we wanted to, to, wanted to do was make sure we had an organization that was fighting for both riders and transit workers, um, be, recognizing some of the issues that are outstanding and what we see on a daily basis uh, getting around Philly. Um, and basically, as, as, as they say, car bad, train good. Yes. Then- so, yeah,
0: go oh. ahead. Oh, I was I was just gonna say, and you know, one one of the things about like having a transit riders union is that, you know, this is this is there to like square the circle between those those couple of times when uh let's say the workers interests and the riders' interests don't perfectly align. You know, we're trying to we're trying to make sure that we're provide the synthesis for that dialectic, if you want to oh, get all Hegelian <laughs> about it. Um <laughs>
2: Yeah, so, and I think the reason that we wanted to put this together, and thank you to the fine folks at, uh, well, well, there's your problem for having me, but um, the big issue going on right now, if you are in a Philadelphian or uh, haven't been following local transit news as closely as some of us have, is that SEPTA is trying to do a fair hike during this pandemic, um, prematurely ending some of its policies related to social distancing, and there's no way for safely organizing in person right now. We recognize that. Although some, uh, some agencies don't. And I guess the question really is, is podcasting praxis? <sighs> so yeah, it's, go it's ahead. what
0: we got right now.
2: <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So just to, and I think that, um, we're going to put this in the show notes, uh, but we're asking listeners to sign, uh, our petition. That's, uh, asking for or telling septa that we don't want a fair hike during a pandemic we want a real reasonable response (laughs) to what we see as a crisis um and everybody who signs that petition uh will be following up with them to uh prep them to participate in the upcoming scheduled fair hike hearings which are on uh may 26th and 27th um at various times um there's one day session or there's one like middle of the day session and there's one like evening-ish session um and we're really asking for people to show up and come out to support those because those are really um kind of the only opportunity right now to get your voice heard in any meaningful way about about all of this that we're going to get into um i think philly true is also going to be live streaming the hearings um this is going to be one of the one of those situations where, again, we can't get together. Um, we'd usually show up in person with, you know, uh, uh, signs and all kinds of messages, but we'll get together, live stream the hearing and kind of talk about uh, what the next steps could look like
0: then. Yeah. I and, mean, you know, it'll be, a, it'll be a good time where we can sit down, watch the live stream, you know, yeah. sort of do what we can inform it. As, as Nat said, um, you know, they're trying, to, they're trying to do this fair hike in the middle of a pandemic if Septo wants a circus, we will bring the clowns.
2: <laughs> Nothing so but respect for my for our listeners. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so
1: anyway, we call them problematics, I mean, that's <laughs> <Yeah>, true. <laughs> uh, We're doing good.
0: So there's some some issues that public transit agencies are facing during this pandemic, right? Just a couple. Um, you know, if you're riding a public transit vehicle, in some ways, you you can um. Oh I see these notes have completely changed. Very nice. Um, Doing good. Yeah, I should've read them beforehand.
2: Yeah, uh, <laughs> I had a lot of fun this afternoon. <laughs> oh, fuck it.
1: Fuck <laughs> it.
0: Alright, so, this this coronavirus, the brony, um, you know, spreads through close contact with people from, you know, coughing or sneezing, touching your face after touching the virus. Um, <laughs> some metal surfaces can, you know, hold the virus for a while. You know there's asymptomatic transmission for fourteen days, which is just dumb as hell, like hell this, yeah God hates us um, and uh this makes stuff like contact tracing difficult, makes it very difficult to contain the virus, um especially you know and, and, and then that, that's also a big problem of say a transit operators infected, right um
1: especially if they're asymptomatic, that's a whole lot of fucking people you're touching and coming in contact with yes.
0: But the the big problems with public transportation in this scenario is that, you know, if you get in a transit vehicle, um, you are uh, in a small enclosed space like a bus or a subway car, right, which has air conditioning. And that air conditioner Mm -hmm. is mostly recirculating the air in there, right?
2: Um, Mm -hmm.
0: This is especially bad if you are a transit operator because you are in that same space for hours and hours right? Uh, and if you're a bus driver or you're a trolley, uh, motorman, um, you know, you're also in contact with all the passengers who come in and, you know, tap the fare card or, you know, swipe the pass or, uh, you know, pay with cash you and stuff, now. right? Yeah. Um, now in really hard hit places like New York City, um, you know, over a hundred New York City, uh, transit workers have been killed by the virus so far, um, and there are seven septa workers dead as of May first, right? There's also a lot of employees out sick, which makes it difficult to maintain service levels. You know, because if you don't have drivers, the the bus doesn't drive itself, right? Um,
2: yeah, and I think one thing that I would just add is that you know a lot of these a lot of these things that we've kind of or that Justin just kind of mentioned are really intentional choices or things that can happen on SEPTA or another, uh, you know, another transit system and a bus. But these are, these are kind of things that don't necessarily have to happen. Right. So like, for example, you don't have to get within a foot and a half of a bus driver's face. If there is backdoor boarding that's happening. Um, but if you're, uh management is telling you that you need to collect full fares from everybody who comes on uh there will be situations where that does happen and maybe you'll cough in somebody's face or maybe the money that you hand them will uh have an inf- have coronavirus on it something like that and i think that's that's the thing that has struck me most about the response that we've seen is that uh there are certain obvious intentional choices that uh have either been made or not been made and those things are very critical towards preventing the spread of this disease yeah it's uh, and, and and you know it's
0: it's okay. kind of like all in the name of uh revenue collection they're trying to get whatever revenue they can during this time when you know i i i don't think revenue should be our primary goal um you know call me crazy i don't know that during during the uh coronavirus is when you want to think about well, how can we make sure everyone's paying their fare? Um, Now, this is an issue because uh, during the pandemic, of course, ridership is pretty far down on most public transit systems across the country, right? Um, The MTA lost about 90% of its subway passengers, for instance. Philly is also down about 90%, right? Um, In fact, we have a chart.
1: Oh boy! <laughs> yeah,
0: not so good. Uh, not
2: great. Yes, yeah, so the most recent shows about ninety-two percent as of May first. This was just right off the SEPTA website, and you really see this is combined. And I think um, Justin's probably better equipped to kind of discuss it. But there's the re- there's the regional rail division that handles the you know the com- what we call commuter trains through Philly. Um, And then there's the city, the city transit division that handles the buses and the trolleys um, and the subway and the elevated line. Um, The consolidated number is past 90 percent for how down, you know, how down ridership is. So any efforts to kind of collect fares during this really uh, you're you're missing the bigger picture. Right. Um, And that's that's one thing that's really clear to me is that this is not. This is not the right way to be handling this response. I was about um, to say. I mean, these numbers absolutely. Are,
0: these numbers are looking pretty bad as indicated by this linear trend line they've decided mm. to put on the chart <laughs> for some reason. I mean, by the right. end by the end of uh, April, we were projected to have negative 100,000 riders every day. That's um, crazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: Oh, God. <laughs> do, do negative riders get money from septa to ride i think yes. so yeah yeah exactly
1: um, i uh the thing that's nuts to me though is that like just observationally it feels like there's been you know kind of on facebook and other social media drivers have to kind of take the shit into their own hands and i just like obviously i'm not you know an expert but just i constantly see People being like, oh, this driver's crazy this and that. So it just feels like there's absolutely no fucking direction from SEPTA itself. And then drivers come out looking like the assholes or operators, I should say. And I just it's it's been impossible to watch SEPTA kind of dig its own grave even more than it normally does.
2: Right. And I think that's one thing that we'll get into a little bit later is um, just the ways that this is as much a kind of messaging or public relations issue as much as it is anything else. What SEPTA chooses to tell the public or not tell the public and how they choose to do that is really critical towards making sure that, you know, uh, the response is handled the right way. And again, what they tell drivers versus what they tell the public operators, what they tell, you know, it's it's just, it's just kind of feels a little bit haphazard all over the place and two steps behind what other transit agencies are doing um, at a time where, you know, really... There's no room for error, and the actions that you take early on in the process really dictate the outcomes you have in the middle of the process that then become uh, the, the people who are really materially impacted by this. Um, so I put together like a pretty comprehensive timeline for everything. I don't think we need to go into all of it. Um, the situation moved really quickly from... The start of March when uh, the first case of coronavirus was found in uh, in Pennsylvania. And one of those was in Delaware County, which touches Philadelphia Um, at this around the same time as that SEPTA began their full court press blitz to talk about their fair restructuring. Um, And it's curious, again, you think about the PR aspect of this fair restructuring as a concept um as opposed to what really what it looks like, which is a fair increase, um, this whole idea of what what is a restructuring versus what is a fair increase when you're you know for those who don't know, we have the key card here in philly um, that is the the contactless fare payment system. Uh, originally, the price the price to pay with the key was two dollars or I think a buck eighty at first, but it it it's still two dollars right now. And cash fares were two fifty, which is obviously hugely problematic because who carries two dollars and fifty cents on them? Everything's exact change. But with the new fare increase, um, tariffs that are proposed, this is a twenty five percent increase. So all the fares are now two fifty, whether you're paying cash or key. The key costs five dollars to begin with, so there's no advantage really other than um, quote unquote convenience of uh, a card in your wallet. Um, which expires anyway. Which expires yeah, it anyway. It expire, yeah.
1: Because the MasterCard shit that never fucking works.
2: Yeah, and it's beholden to financial banking regulations that really are inappropriate for a mass transit payment option where, you know, first the cards didn't have chips, then they had to have chips because everything had chips. Oh. Um, yep. Then... I forget exactly what else, but it's just been it's just been this huge landslide of, uh, you know, SEPTA trying to introduce a 21st century payment system that really uh, represents the best in 21st century banking regulations that don't really help anybody, but uh, give over an air of security and safety. Uh, The the thing's
0: basically set up as like a debit card is the problem. And it's yeah. it's like you know that, that subjected it to a whole bunch of other regulations, which it shouldn't have been. Uh, but you know, on the plus side, um, theoretically, you could use it at a convenience store that accepted it and pay massive fees. Um.
1: <laughs> Thank
0: yeah. you, Scepta. We
1: love you, Scepta.
2: Yeah, the fees <laughs> are really the the crazy part here. I mean, like I remember I remember looking at it right when it came out, and it was like if you wanted to check your balance at anything other than the website, you needed to pay a dollar. Um, if you wanted to use the card, there was originally, I think, some kind of fee associated with even just debit card use. Um, things that, things that you know, this was all branded as a way to uh, bring banking to the quote-unquote unbanked, um, you know, and again, without making too much of it, Philadelphia is the biggest, poor city in the, you know, the poorest big city in the country. Um, and all of these things, you know, are supposed to prevent the nightmarish system that keeps people going to check-cashing places, payday loan providers, um, when really SEPTA wasn't helping, they were becoming a part of that process. So um, the fare restructuring that was announced on, um, on March 11th included a couple things, but this, you know, obviously increasing the base fare. They made a big deal out of um, removing one of the transfer fees, the first transfer fee that you pay, um, which is a dollar, which uh Justin, I think correct me if I'm wrong, but no other big city has transfer fees. Um and there's no reason from you know a digital kind of standpoint to have these fees. They're completely um archaic and you can only you can only use it with the key now, which is awesome.
0: I I am not sure that no other big city has transfer fees. What I do know is that transfer fees Transfer fees are bad for ridership because transferring is already inconvenient. And once you say, I got to pay to transfer to, then it's like, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to drive. Uh,
2: <laughs> right. And the other thing that uh, keeps people in their cars going to work is when uh, your convenient, fast and easy bus route turns into a uh, 45 minute walk to a different bus that may or may not take you kind of close to your work. But we'll get into that.
1: Hey, Rod's had that problem once. <laughs> that Ugh, problem that was fucking horrible. I know, <laughs> hey, man, I've had that problem taking the uh, the 12. And it was just like, the 12 goes where it wants today, and if you're late as hell to a doctor's appointment, you're late as hell to a doctor's appointment, but we're going to charge you more money for the privilege, which is super great.
2: Yeah, a recurring theme uh, living in Philadelphia for any given amount of time is that... Uh, that just kind of reroutes whatever whenever and if there's a sign that's cool but you probably won't see it and uh, it's certainly yeah, not you won't going see to it, be a not worry. Yeah. Um and so this fair restructuring from, you know, just kind of a layperson's point of view like mine, um you know, this is this is a way for people who really know their way around finance and spreadsheets to manipulate the costs that are given to riders um in a way that kind of very gently accounts for inflational increases across the system without really changing things too much. Um, you can brand it as a PR win. If it's not a fair increase, it's a restructure, um, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not to say that there weren't some good things about it. Like, um, in addition to eliminating that transfer fee, there's like $1 student fares. Um, but you know, really, I think that the bigger issue here is just the proportion of SEPTA's revenue that comes in through the fare box, um, which creates a situation where SEPTA needs to have this symbiotic relationship where they're taking as much as they possibly can from the working people who use the system without taking too much where they end up just driving to work. Um, And that's a delicate line that I'm sure uh, plenty of people spend a lot of time trying to figure out exactly where that line is and how to stay on the quote unquote right side of it, but it doesn't create positive outcomes for the people who are riding the system. It at best keeps a status quo of over a long term trend, you know, adjusted for inflation, the fare box revenue is about two fifty a fare, three dollars a fare. Um it's a really it's a really kind of convoluted thing when you take a step back and think about who SEPTA is for. So let's see, what else is really kind of helpful here. Um, so in addition to this fit, so the fair increase comes every three years, it's programmed into kind of SEPTA's capital, capital operating budget. And um, their like, you know, operating program where they show what their expected revenues are, what their expected expenditures are, what they plan on, you know, building over the next three years um, and this is kind of a, t- this is, this is a thing that happens on schedule and it's supposed to happen every three years and the, and the SEPTA board, uh, needs to vote on it to approve it and move it forward. Um, there's nothing that says that they have to provide one plan that works, f- you know, for every situation. Um, there's not even anything that I could find on a quick glance and I am not a lawyer. Um, I have an art history degree, uh, but there, there wasn't anything that I could see about, um, you know, punishment or provisions for, in an emergency scenario, SEPTA not holding these meetings. Um, But they continued to kind of operate business as usual for most people for a pretty long time. Um, March 17th, there were, you know, uh, 45 cases in the greater Philadelphia area. SEPTA moved to a Saturday schedule for regional rail trains because people had already... You know, you can see in uh, John Madden vision over here. (laughs) uh, That's right around the time when the drop starts to happen. So SEPTA kind of realized that something was up and that they should probably suspend service. Um, But it was clear to kind of uh, us as the Philadelphia Transit Riders Union specifically um, that SEPTA didn't seem to uh, acknowledge or be responding to the severity of what we saw as the global pandemic that we now uh, are living through. Um, the, the response was really lackluster. They were continuing to kind of move forward with things and say, Oh yeah, we'll just move this to a conference call. Um, so they, they were planning on having a board meeting March 26th. This is still just under a month ago. It feels like six years ago. Um, but they canceled this meeting. Um, I think partly because of our petition and partly uh, a recognition that they couldn't kind of scramble together the resources at the board management level to have a conference call that had it a, had, you know, uh, gated conversation or any kind of uh, feedback. And so that's where you start to get things like um, that beautiful little clip that we played at the beginning of the show where um they moved forward with the April board meeting uh, after the Transit Riders Union had put together a petition um, asking SEPTA to treat this as a crisis, um, asking SEPTA to demand federal and state relief, which up till this point they had not communicated they had been doing, um, telling SEPTA that they had to provide hazard pay for operators um, and cleaning supplies, um, and reporting on these things to the public because, again, Uh, their response was really just kind of, we're taking care of it. We already cleaned the stations. We're just going to clean the stations extra good. Um, and then like we mentioned, uh, rear door boarding for people who did have to continue to take public transit, um, and free fares because this was the closest, most high contact way that bus operators, uh, interacted with the public. Um, a couple days after that, the uh statewide shutdown of non life sustaining businesses begun. Um, and then, you know, that was only eight days after SEPTA rolled out their brand new fare restructuring plan. Um let's see, the following day, SEPTA uh the GM of SEPTA, who's new in seat and formerly a PennDOT official, uh Leslie Richards. Uh, she said that they were anticipating about $150 million in losses. Now, just to kind of put that in perspective, um, the entire SEPTA budget of what they, you know, the, the part that of what they ex- spend money on uh, is $1.5 billion. So they were anticipating it would be about a 10% whoopsie and everybody could go back to work just fine. Don't worry, everybody. We're going to keep the stations extra clean. Uh, we're going to we're going to get through this just fine. Nobody worry. Um, and I think this is really the kind of time where it's like, sure, we could pretend that everything's fine and not worry. Or we can actually start to kind of acknowledge that this is going to be a life changing event that's going to require a real kind of reimagining of what is appropriate and what, you know, um, how a transit agency should respond. Um Let's see here. I'm just going to keep rolling through this and probably I guess we can edit it in post. Um, But so two days later, uh, SEPTA announced that virtual fare increase hearings were going to occur as planned. Um, And this is this is really the time where I started to scratch my head again as a uh, as a Philadelphian who cares about uh, city infrastructure and, and, you know, good governance and all that nonsense Um, where there were groups that um, that were in the Philadelphia area who were focused on pro urbanism issues and pro uh, you know, good governance and all that, who were, who were actually excited about this Um, which really struck a chord with me because again, like, sure, you can get a different kind of, public input from holding virtual fair hearings. Um, but that really doesn't recognize the reality of the city of Philadelphia, where we got Comcast as the number one and number two tallest building. Um, both of those are tax abated, so they don't pay any city or school revenue. Of course not. Um, <laughs> no, and in thoughts. addition to that, yeah. other outside of Detroit, Philadelphia is the number one uh least broadband penetrated uh city in America so Despite
1: having fucking comcast yes
2: yeah we got Imagine we got dialing the internet into a
0: virtual a virtual fare increase meeting on fifty six k I don't think it would work you know i, I don't think a o l can manage that um <laughs> <I> don't, <laughs> no, that I don't that know, know if safe. either of,
2: did either of you live here when uh mayor Nutter tried to introduce uh philadelphia free wi fi system yes. that would just, connect to your, would just connect to your device and not provide any kind of signal. Uh, oh, it's kind of cool. like that. So, yeah, sure. Maybe you have a smartphone that has 4G LTE that you pay a you know, data plan on that's not unlimited. Are you going to really use your precious uh, gigabytes of storage to dial into a meeting where uh, SEPTA tells you that they're going to increase your cost of transit and that's all there is to it. Um, anyway, that's, that's me soapboxing a little bit, but the fact of the matter is, um, this is 30% of households don't have broadband access here. And the improvements that SEPTA was alleging to provide were ones, two areas where people were more likely to take, for example, a two seat trip, uh, to get to, uh, their job. um, You know, places that really don't have great, uh, don't have great transit service to necessarily begin with. They don't have bus shelters because, God forbid, somebody uh, who doesn't have a home might fall asleep there. Um, All these fun things. So three, it's, it's just like this whole, this whole thing to me is like every three days something happens. And then every five days after that, SEPTA thinks about responding. Um, so on March 25th, the first SEPTA employee test positive for COVID. Um, and remember, we had submitted uh, a petition that started to collect signatures. We have about um, 375 signatures on that first petition, I think, at this point. But um, that was March March 17th. Uh, at the, it took until the end of the month, March 31st, after I think six or seven different different um, transit authorities had already gone to rear door boarding. Um, March 31st is when SEPTA finally moves to it. Um, far too late, far too many people were impacted by this. Um, and again, by this point, it had already been two weeks or no. Yeah. It had been, it, it had been over 10 days since, uh, Everybody who wasn't working in an essential business was told to stay home. Um, So these were only people who uh, are the emergency workers who are keeping everything running while folks like, uh, you know, anybody who has an office job uh, with a laptop and an Internet connection can work from home and is either encouraged or explicitly only allowed to do so. The people who are riding SEPTA at this time are only the people who are out in the world, um, most likely to have or transmit coronavirus. And they're either interacting with uh, SEPTA operators who are doing this all day long, um, or they're interacting and giving that disease to people who they're in close proximity to. Thankfully, April 3rd, um, we get news about the CARES Act getting passed. but shortly and, – and the CARES Act provides for an unprecedented $643 million of transit funding, um, which, again, the last figure that, we, that anybody had heard publicly was, oh, SEPTA is just going to lose $150 million. So th- there's just all these breakdowns in communication where we know that we're not getting the most up-to-date or the most accurate information, and then we have to find out after the fact, after something happens, that uh, – SEPTA is adequately being prepared, uh, cared for. Um, I think a big portion, and we'll probably get into this a little later, but a big portion of the funding gap between that original notice and what the CARES Act ultimately provided were uh, anticipating a decline in payments from the Turnpike Authority, and, or the Turnpike Commission, excuse me. And this is one of those things where funding for transit in the united states is in and of itself uh a future episode of this podcast um truly a just hobbled together from all different kinds of sources including the people who don't you know people who drive cars but mostly people who take you know toll roads have to pay some but actually the turnpike uses that money to do other things so they have to take out a loan to make this payment and you know there are some federal subsidies but and there are some state subsidies but the state subsidies were only set to uh happen until the uh, 2022 in which time it would become future legislators problem to handle um and you know this could be said for a lot of uh you know government institutions and things that uh people rely on but here we are again, um, and this is really showing the breakdown of all those different things. Well, you know, the, turn, um,
0: the turnpike has to keep paying people to paint bridges, or yep. those, same, those same people will start to complain mm-hmm. that an interstate highway is told. Um. You
1: can right take here. Route 30, you can take Route 30, but <laughs> it's not that
2: bad. <laughs> well, the original plan was for Route 80. Uh, yep.
1: but, God, for- yep.
2: God forbid we make anybody pay to use roads, I mean, that's frankly un-American. Yes, um, yes it is.
1: Thank you. Thank you, June, I agree.
2: God bless. <laughs> yeah. Great, greatest country in the entire United States, this United States of America.
1: How many other countries have been to the moon, June? Name them. Name them, June. Yeah, It's, uh, it's, it's funny, because I was actually, I was talking to Roz, actually, about, uh, the 76, the turnpike price increases, and how it's like the, the frustration this is not totally related but like i want to take the pennsylvanian to pittsburgh that i basically can't unless i'm willing to work around one train leaving a day at an inconvenient time but it would be cheaper and it would be nicer but it also takes two hours longer than driving and it's like so like I it doesn't take leave at
0: convenient time you can't <laughs> no, go get so drunk just... in pittsburgh by train it's dumb as hell
1: exactly it's so fr- it's so frustrating i just want to be able to take a train and like Amtrak obviously not set that makes
2: it fucking impossible. Yes. Yeah, I had a I had a past life uh where I had a lot of Amtrak points saved up and one time I decided to uh, hell yeah. <laughs> take, take Boston to DC the whole northeast regional because why not visit why not see the uh <laughs> the Eastern Seaboard the most luxurious way possible. Uh, it was the most hung over, miserable nine hours of my life because of course the train got delayed for an hour for no reason, because fuck you is why. Um, and I told, it's the same, it's the same exact thing where we have all these things that are available to us. We have all these, um, you know, massive infrastructure projects that, uh, we're grateful to, to just have sitting there. And instead of treating them as something that's worth caring for for our children and our and grandchildren um you know we might as well just all buy cars yeah build some towns. all right we're, we're on slide five of 19 we're 40 minutes in let's mm-hmm. go oh shit um, okay cool so <laughs> okay. uh point being oh, oh damn okay yes okay so the big the big us. issue here and then we can definitely move on to the next slide is uh the uh, the lifeline service that septa implements uh the night before they say okay everybody good news nobody's riding septa so we're just going to slash service across the entire board um they name they name some routes that they're doing i forget the exact numbers but i think it's i think it's maybe cut by a third if not more um and also the number of trips drops precipitously during this time um where instead of following even like an hourly schedule it goes to just kind of will show up when we can and hopefully you'll get to your job um you know and obviously there's a bunch of other things that happen like for example uh the subways went stopped being 24 hours so that they could quote unquote clean them overnight um but they didn't run buses to substitute and they checked with the hospitals first but they didn't check with uh the cleaning crews of those hospitals i believe Um, so while the shift change worked for nurses, it didn't work for anybody who, uh, was actually responsible for keeping the the hospitals and the nursing facilities and everything else clean. Um... That's a tough job if you've seen the shit they need to clean
0: up, which includes a lot of actual shit. (laughs) Oh, absolutely.
2: Um... And then I think other than that right now, um, the SEPTA April 23rd board meeting is just kind of worth mentioning. Um, The one where we heard the uh, that's where the pledge video is from, um, where instead of uh, responding to actual complaints and concerns from riders, um, there was a nine minute long. Uh, run through the schedule of normal business and a promise at the end of the uh, the no comment uh, conference call, which apparently is the best technology that uh, the powers that be can provide um, any anybody who's anybody who's under the age of 40 and many people over the age of 40 know this is a lie. Um, they, did, they, they promised at to answer. least as
0: well as the Joe Biden campaign.
2: Um, (laughs) You know, Justin, that's a really good point. It's it's tough when everybody's half asleep and maybe more than asleep. But they promised to answer all emails and leave it at that. Close out the meeting and everybody can go back to sitting at home in their giant suburban houses. Um, That's one thing that's just kind of worth mentioning off to the side is that the SEPTA board... Um, because some portion of the funding, even though the majority of the funding comes from the city of Philadelphia and the people who live in the city of Philadelphia, us, um, since some, some portion of that money comes in from all five counties, uh, each of those counties has two representatives on that SEPTA board. So while the majority of fares come in through the city, uh, the majority, or there's a disproportionate representation of the suburbs and therefore, Um, there's this split between regional rail and city transit, uh, where regional rail gets basically everything that they want and more, um, it's a commuter system. So it's made for the people who go to the high rise buildings every day and can go back through the underground tunnels and don't have to interact with the city. Um, and that's, that's kind of my biggest issue with, uh, what I see as the landscape of, of where we can maybe, start to think about some improvements here if they're more durable and long-term is, is figuring out how we get the SEPTA board to really represent the riders of SEPTA, not just uh, these, these municipalities that aren't really helping. Uh, okay, so um, last, just the last thing, or last two things are uh, on April 30th, we released our counter proposal for COVID recovery. Um, again, because it seems that stimulus is the way to get yourself out of an economic recession that is possibly worse than the great depression, um, making transit $1 for all fares until this entire crisis is over with the promise to make sure that this crisis, uh, however long it lasts, people will be taken care of so that, you know, uh, I got a, I, I went on unemployment at the beginning of this crisis. I lost my job. Um, I know most of my friends are in a similar boat. Um May 4th, a couple of days later, uh the Turnpike Commission asks to uh, you know, ask their regulators or the statewide state representatives or I don't know exactly who to postpone a payment to SEPTA that's scheduled for July. This is a forty-four and a half million dollar payment. And this goes back to the whole Turnpike Commission issue that I was mentioning, where they borrow this money to pay us. Um The real issue here is that there's uh, conflicts of interest between the Turnpike Commission and the SEPTA board chair, Pat Dion, who is a local real estate developer, Bucks County resident, and beverage distributor. And again, nothing but respect for the people who bring beer and uh, deliver beer to especially you two gentlemen. But um, this is a massive (laughs) conflict of interest that really has... um, has problem, huge huge red letters written all over it, and there's nobody who's really thinking about the implications of somebody who's who's this conflicted, uh, basically waving their hands and saying, you know, they'll figure it out. Um, SEPTA will probably just have to pull itself up by its bootstraps if people really want to get to work, and um, there's no issue with missing out on a forty-four and a half million dollar payment from the Turnpike Commission that's legally promised because you know we'll figure it out later um when in my mind this is the beginning this is a clear this is clear evidence of further austerity right um this is this is the the canary in the coal mine of what can we figure out uh how can we figure out how to strangle septa uh right now so that in the future they can work with less because god why would we pay for all those people to get to work when they can pay for it themselves out of wages that they earn you know, and if they can't earn the wages, they can work in the workhouses.
0: I didn't actually know, I didn't know Pat Dion was also a turnpike commissioner, as well as yep. being SEPTA board chair, as well as having the SEPTA board room named after him.
1: Um, Hilariously and, corrupt is the phrase that I, comes I to mind. I was about to say.
0: Um, now he, he that's Philly, baby. Uh, he does like me, apparently. Um, or at, oh, least, at awesome. least from that one board meeting where he's like, oh, I like the word bustituted. Uh, which he hadn't That's heard true. before.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> which is a shining example of how connected the the board is with people who actually fucking ride it, but, you know.
0: Or, or people who know stuff about public transportation, yes. But yeah. um, he has a caboose in his backyard. I also know that. Uh, <laughs>
2: yes. So there's some good things going for Pat Dion, and this is not the Pat Dion hate show, <laughs> although I'm sure we can have that next time.
0: Absolutely. Um,
2: <laughs> and one day, one day, Justin, we will figure out how to... Uh, get him to a bar with you and then uh, you guys can hash out all of the septa issues and hopefully um, get him to see your side of things. So oh,
0: no, we'll, um, we'll that's basically somehow wind up agreeing on uh, lengthening the platforms for the L. Yeah. that will be a yes. great idea.
2: Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes. So that's basically the long and short of where we're at. Um, the Philadelphia transit riders union is now kind of setting our sights on making sure that we can prepare for the future. Um, We had a meeting with the Pittsburghers for public transit. Um, Nothing but respect for Pittsburgh and everybody who lives in it. Um, They've got a wonderful uh, early transit riders, transit riders union who uh, was part of the inspiration for what we do. Um, They've got a really wonderful team working with them. And as Pennsylvania's two largest cities, we are hoping that, um, our voices can be heard in Harrisburg for a permanent solution to transit funding in Pennsylvania. Um, again, in, especially in recognition of the world that our children are inheriting. That's increasingly unlivable and uh, just, just awful. Um, if we can't get things like public transportation, a green new deal, meaningful jobs program. And now we're facing uh a recession as bad as the Great Depression. So that's that's the kind of long and short of the timeline there. Um, I'm sure there's some things that I missed, but um, I think that kind of highlights the biggest um, missteps in this whole kind of in this whole kind of situation so far. And now that the city is planning on reopening, and ev- or now that the state is planning on slowly reopening, and uh, people, uh, as evidenced by some astroturf protests, are begging to return to work. Um we have an opportunity now to uh see what the future holds under coronavirus and if social distancing is really a smart idea or a dumb idea and like drunk driving it's impossible to say if it's good or not because <laughs> it gets people to work.
0: Right. So
2: uh all right
0: that was the whole podcast uh that was all the information um see y'all next week uh solidarity with our Pittsburgh comrades also fuck the pens fuck sidney Car- crosby um, God, right. I fucking no, hate no, Cindy Crosby. No, there's more podcasts to go. All right, I fucking hate Sidney Crosby.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first, first, first fucking time I've been to Pittsburgh in years. First fucking time I've been to Pittsburgh in years, and it was after we had gone to uh, Nova Scotia, and I was talking to my dad as we were checking into the hotel about Nova Scotia, and the fucking desk clerk pipes in with a, "Oh, you know Sidney Crosby's from Nova Scotia? Yeah, I fucking know, bud." Shut the fuck up! All right, I fucking hate Cindy Crosby.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm going to assume that's a sports reference. That's cool. Yes.
1: Go Flyers, except do yeah. not go Flyers. Claude Giroux could go to hell. Right. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm I'm, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> All right. So,
0: um, ah, the the way these notes were working, it was going to dovetail into the slide that was before the last slide. Um, okay. Anyway. Oh, cool. No, I'm gonna jump back into it. So, mm-hmm. one of the problems that we are experiencing right now, um, with, with the coronavirus, right, one of the problems transit agencies are experiencing is this thing called less ridership, as evidenced by the line that goes to negative 100,000. Number go down. Yes, number went down. It stinks supposed to stonks, right? So if you're in, so there are certain kinds of transit agencies, right, which can weather this better than others, right? Um, those are places like, say, Kansas City. They recently made transit-free, which, uh, actually means they're not really affected by low ridership. Um, but making transit-free is also something which is more practical for transit agencies which don't make a lot of money off of fares, which is not the case in Philly, right? Um so there's some costs that go down during reduced service in a pandemic and other costs that do not, right? Um so and and that's you know service reductions don't necessarily result in a linear decrease in associated costs. So let's say we're running, we have half as many passengers. Obviously, we have 10% as many passengers in actuality. But let's say we run half as much subway service, right? The only cost that actually goes down by that proportional amount is you know, you may be using half as much electricity. You may be paying fewer operators, assuming you're able to furlough some operators, but you may not be able to do that during, due to union rules, right? You're still staffing stations, you're running equipment like transformers, signals, you're doing train dispatching, that requires people, you have transit police, you have administration, you have maintenance of both, you know, maintenance away, maintenance of uh, trains and things like that, you have cleaning staff, so on and so forth, you have fixed costs, right, that's like debt service, uh, rent of offices, stuff like that, you have capital projects, that's building stuff, right? some of that stuff you may be able to pause construction on the other stuff you know maybe you're adhering to a schedule maybe you can't do certain kinds of construction in the winter you have to keep pressing on right um so this results in you know we have a system which is running fewer trains for marginal savings or running fewer buses or running fewer uh any kind of transit vehicle um and that's less useful to passengers for marginal savings, and this leads to a sort of downward spiral in ticket revenue which compounds the problem. You know, you start you start cutting and cutting and cutting, and as you cut and cut and cut, you have to cut more to keep going, right? And in a pandemic, this is worse, right? Because the public's avoiding public transportation, even if it's useful, since they don't want to be in a big crowd, right? Right. Um, and since you're running less service, even though you have less ridership, you're still likely to have crowded vehicles, right? I mean, mm-hmm. this is what a set bus looks like now. That's not that's not so great if you're trying to social distance.
2: No, really? and again, this is a, this is a conscious choice. If you put lifeline service in, but you ignore rush hours and other possible times when buses can get crowded. Um, you know, one of the, one of these things that SEPTA, you know, that you can think of as a PR style issue is that SEPTA didn't really communicate a lot of these things very well or comprehensively. Um, one of those was that, you know, oh, we're only going to let 20 people on each bus, which obviously, as you can see from that, Photo isn't exactly always accurate. It's kind of operator dependent. Right. Um, and it isn't always um, practical because so many people need to right, people, have to,
1: people have to fucking go places. Yeah.
2: Exactly, and so if you have a if you have a bus stop where a bus hasn't come for you know forty five minutes during uh peak rush hour leaving Center City, you're gonna get a situation every once in a while where twenty people are just gonna get on the bus because the bus stopped. Um, you know they they're not going to close the door or maybe they will. And that'll hurt somebody. Um, but you know, again, it's just, it's just this whole issue of when you have less service and you make it an intentional decision, uh, crowding, crowding happens. And, you know, the, the buses have like hatches on them that, uh, can be open that are emergency escape hatches that let a little bit of air in, um, but I think there's regulations that need to, you know, go through some kind of set of approval processes before those hatches can be open. Um, and even then, you know, you're still in a closed environment. Yeah. And, and you know,
0: it's, it's, it's what the Prophet himself said, uh, Yogi Berra. Uh, Nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. Um,
1: it's, it's like, because I, I think for a lot of people, you know, it's just like people really do think, oh, well, they could just fucking walk. And it's like, if fucking Popeye's is, is an essential business, and you're asking a guy making eight fifty an hour, okay, SEPTA's no longer gonna get you there accurately, so just good fucking luck. Coupled with, like, the fact that they shut down overnight uh, L and subway service, so how the fuck are hospital workers supposed to get to their jobs? Shit like that. I mean, it's just, the whole thing has just been mismanaged is not an appropriate word for how angry I've been about this it's just like how how are people supposed to get to work? How are people supposed to get away from work? If you want everyone to que- to keep fucking working in a pandemic, then like you have to rise to the occasion and say, "Okay, we'll make sure you can get to work."
2: Yeah, and I think a appropriate term for it is probably engineering disaster.
1: Yeah. Um just <laughs> engineer because, disaster. Yeah. <laughs> and again, the,
2: there are there are all kinds of intentional decisions here. Um there's all kinds of things where Either a reaction led to an overreaction, um, and I think that the Lifeline service is probably one of the obvious ones where, uh, for a variety of reasons, SEPTA said, okay, we're just going to slash service across the board to save us some money. Um, and I'm not really going to get into this in a huge amount of detail, but I just wanted to you know, kind of compare, right? Um, and I definitely am not saying that the Fed is good. I don't want to get canceled on this podcast, Um, I will unironically
1: do that, so I'm here. (laughs) Come at me, folks. So
2: here's the thing, right? The Federal (laughs) Reserve has been pumping so much money into the economy. $4.5 trillion. Exactly. $4.5 trillion. There's absolutely no—you know, there's limited oversight of the Fed. They have the ability to print money like crazy and inject it into the economy and buy back all of these failing loans from J. Crew and all these other companies that— haven't really made revenue in a very, very long time right, because QA, that supports it stock count. market prices. Doesn't count. Well, he yeah, doesn't QA
1: count. Doesn't, yeah, it's QE. It's not. It's QE. It's QE. It doesn't right. count. It doesn't it's count. QE. So it's it doesn't real. count.
2: It's not real. But meanwhile, it's, not printing meanwhile money. it's
1: just a loan, actually. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. It's a forgivable
2: <laughs> loan, and then, and then meanwhile you have Congress uh, squibbling over you know hundred and fifty million dollars of whatever to add to this $2.2 trillion package, so not even half. um, And we're supposed to treat it like the greatest thing since sliced bread. And meanwhile, you know, uh, Shake Shack is eligible to get a loan to continue to pay their employees, even though the Shake Shack near me is open right now. Um, And And a whole bunch of churches, too. That's, That's a fun one. Oh, churches! Churches are great because they don't yeah. have to uh, file uh, any kind of income nope. tax uh, filings. So, like a non a regular nonprofit has to file a nine ninety, churches don't have to say shit. Render um, unto so, Caesar
0: what is Caesar's? Um, pay your fucking taxes.
2: You know, maybe maybe we're, well, there's your problem. Should reorganize as a church. Um, that would, that would that be a,
0: that would make us Protestants. <laughs>
1: yeah, I it were makes that. you
2: whatever you want to be. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my little soapbox about that Mm -hmm. is like, you know, there's, there's plenty of problems with the Fed. I highly recommend Adam Curtis's, uh, all watched over by machines of loving grace to see how Alan Greenspan really got in there. Uh, but honestly, there's so much that can be done. Everybody forgets in the question of how we, how are we going to pay for it? That the people who ask that question control the money printers, This is not this is a false choice. And to pretend that this is a oh, we need to be very careful about our revenue stream over the upcoming fiscal year uh, really misses the forest for the trees, Um, especially when you think about the ability for a well functioning and responsive and, uh, you know, communicative transit agency, what they could be doing as the connector between. The most vulnerable emergency workers who are keeping the country's lights on right now versus uh, people who work in management positions who think that everything's fine. This is all going to go back to normal as soon as two weeks is up and we can just keep collecting our paychecks and doing a great job and patting each other on the backs. <sighs> cool. Yes. Thanks.
0: All right. Now, the other thing which is going on here, of course, is you know septa's ability to sort of communicate uh with riders for what is acceptable and what is not right and so i also haven't seen the notes for this slide mm-hmm. um, uh, yes <laughs> welcome welcome <laughs> to
2: another surprise yeah so i was i was on a bike ride uh a couple days ago and passed by this uh Beautiful uh, convenience corner store at uh, 20th and Wharton. Um, And you'll see that a lot of corner stores in Philly have the uh, red sign at the top that says, do not enter with a mask or hoodie. Now, uh, there's a long history of these signs that uh, is not related to SEPTA immediately, but we're going to get into that in a second. But also they
0: seem to be discriminating against the IRA. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: yes uh this uh irish american neighborhood of point Breeze. well formerly uh that's that's another story for another day Mm, yes uh maybe a franklin episode but um below that is a sign that says you cannot enter this store without a mask on and this in a nutshell when i saw this was like oh this is this is exactly the kind of communication that we saw from septa as soon as the lifeline service got initiated, because in addition to a bunch of, uh, you know, transit route changes and cuts, they also introduced the number of rules. Um, they also said don't... like no masks and masks simultaneously, right? Correct. So if you went to the SEPTA information on coronavirus webpage, after the lifeline service was announced, they said that they would only let you on a bus if you had a mask on, um, At the same time, if you went to the SEPTA rules and regulations portion of the website, it said absolutely nobody is allowed to wear a mask or facial covering while riding SEPTA transit. So this is, again, um, a question of kind of how you message, how you PR and how carefully you are concerned about the issues that actually are affecting people who run and ride your system. Um, And just like this convenience store. Uh, Or just like this corner store, uh, you are both supposed to not enter without a mask on or and uh, enter with only a mask on. So that brings us to the video Um, the day after this service was announced, uh, a Philadelphia Transit Riders Union member uh, was sent the following video that was posted to Facebook um, showing the. Outcome of uh, this incredible policy.
0: Great. Right. Yeah, uh, you know, and I'll let me try and. Uh, no, that doesn't work. Right, and also, sir. what's
2: curious, uh, just while Justin's getting mad and Vision going, um, mm-hmm. the. Yeah, play the video. All right, So, I don't know if you can count, I believe that they counted seven or eight Philadelphia police officers here. These are Philly cops, not, um,
1: Yo, you're gonna feel this, man. not separate.
2: police. Um, off, you can see that a couple of them are not wearing face masks correctly. Yeah. Props to
0: the guy for not taking shit from them. <laughs> Let's oh, about more
2: more. And look at the cell phone, too, that just gets kicked around because, you know, yeah. uh, what's personal property when you can teach somebody a lesson about uh, what they should or should not be doing on public transit. So, yeah. Um, what's also curious about this is we got a photo sent in anonymously from a SEPTA operator that showed a message saying that masks and facial coverings were optional. Um, And apparently this was distributed to all SEPTA operators on their routes. I don't, I don't know how that works. I'm not uh, employed by SEPTA and I never have been. Um, But you can see, you know, this, this video is ridiculous, right? Obviously, um, if cops were really concerned about uh, making sure that people didn't catch COVID, uh, they certainly wouldn't be, manhandling people to, uh, to get them off of a bus, they would give them a face mask. I was about to um, say,
0: this is not this is entirely counterproductive. There's no reason in hell why you should do this. Absolutely. And, and it, would, it would never be beneficial to public safety.
2: No, this is not public safety. This is something far <laughs>
1: far <laughs> more Brutality obvious. is the phrase I believe you're looking for.
2: I was thinking racism, but this one works too. Why not not
1: both? Why not both?
2: (laughs) That famous
0: taste we all love.
1: Inability to
0: conceive of solving a problem without using force. Yeah, exactly.
2: Right. So, I mean, you know, this is so obviously ridiculous. Um, You know, I've seen very similar things in non-pandemic situations of people getting uh, similarly treated in Rittenhouse Square and other places in Philly. But um, to do this during the middle of a deadly pandemic shows the level of, you know, kind of concern that Philadelphia police have for themselves and others. Um, The whole thing is just totally disheartening. And thankfully people picked up on that, at least on social media. It gained, it gained a lot of news coverage um, and we were really grateful to be able to boost this video, um showing some really ridiculous shit. Let's look at some examples
0: around the world, not just in Philadelphia, how other transit agencies have been handling the pandemic. Uh, we'll start in the belly of the beast. In Wuhan. Alright. So uh in Wuhan, Wuhan has a metro ah, uh, I I was trying to John Madden. There. Wuhan has a metro, <laughs> they have trams. Beautiful city, Uh, this is a cool bridge right here, Um, you know, so this is right in the center of the pandemic, and of course, what did they do? January 23rd, they shut everything down, the whole public transit system stopped, right? Now, this is probably the best way to deal with it, it's also not something we've found ourselves capable of doing in the United States, right, because we're not capable of that kind of state intervention. To, like provide people with food and stuff like that, you know, um start delegating tasks in such a way that like so few that that you can have you can maintain social distancing so aggressively, right, but they were able to reopen on April eighth. There were actually very similar uh lockdowns instituted in northern Italy where just everything shut down, and it wasn't like here in the United States where you know you could still get takeout. You couldn't even do that. Um. My
1: rats
2: <laughs> yeah this is this is America, and people need to get to work so that they can f- feed themselves because otherwise uh they'll get greedy and lazy on all of the all of the food. Yeah, so <sighs> yeah and i think that's yeah justin to your point this is this is the benefit of a centrally planned economy right (laughs) to respond to a crisis like this you can build hospitals very quickly uh that help people um that don't have a profit motive behind them and you can make sure that your transit system shuts down so that everybody stays safe and home and doesn't try to go to work um on the other hand, they
0: have a horrible, dirty wet market where they where they sell live animals to eat, which is definitely not something that exists. Who would do that? Not uh, in say, the United States. That's yeah, one no, no one would, not no in one third would do that. Cer- certainly Mm-mm. not in like South Philly on like Ninth Street. That would never happen. No, no, <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no such thing as a wet market here. What is and, the Italian market? <laughs> who are you? Where am I? <laughs> anyway, so, um. It's an example of what they're doing in Moscow, on the Moscow metro, you can see there's this nice red indicator every other seat, it says don't sit here, do some social distancing. They do it in Russian though, right? Because it's Russia. Um, in addition to that, in San Francisco, the Municipal Railway, which, um, you know, is, um, the Municipal Railway is what they call a transit authority. They've done a lot of service reductions, they also completely reoriented service to focus on grocery stores and hospitals, and other essential businesses like that. They redesigned their bus network, like, overnight, just to focus on that. Um, except for like, obviously the trackless trolleys, um, probably couldn't really reroute those. But... (laughs) Oh, that
1: attitude.
0: uh, Yeah, well, you know, if you could put up the wires overnight, sure, let's go for it. Put up some goddamn (laughs) wires.
1: Put up the goddamn
0: wires. so easy. Electric buses are easy. Batteries are stupid. Don't use batteries. Um, New York City has done some, they've decided to shut down the subway overnight for cleaning. The first time in however many hundreds of years, which is (laughs) not good. Uh, you Mm -hmm. know, whether that comes back or not, anyone's guess. I mean, you know...
2: Yeah. And then this is one of those perfect examples of how you can use PR, uh, as a tool to kind of do whatever you want. Right. Um, New York is the epicenter of COVID, the COVID crisis in America. Uh, but Andrew Cuomo's on TV every day telling people that he's doing a great job and people believe him. And maybe he's more, uh, maybe he's more charismatic than our current, uh, democratic nominee so maybe we can figure out a way to slot him in there and create a great pr story for everybody when overnight cleaning is the best that we can get in new york oh Oh, my god
1: andrew cuomo fucking sucks yes andy Byford for president andy Byford (laughs) for president we need a real
2: planner we need a real somebody who actually knows stuff about things and doesn't know just know how to get on tv and say stay home
0: yes so, what's uh, what's SEPTA doing? I mean, we talked about this a little bit before. Um, how is SEPTA reacting to this, right? You know, we saw we, there's, you know, they've put in shields to protect bus drivers from a certain amount of interaction with passengers, right? They've done rear-door boarding on transit vehicles, including buses and trolleys. That should be a permanent thing, actually. They should just have another another taffy-tap doohickey in the back because that means you can make the buses go faster but no no one, no one'll, no no will go for that one for whatever reason no fare collection during the pandemic so far again that's coming back on May 17th along with ending rear door boarding which is also dumb um they've they've been limiting the amount of people on every transit vehicle at once uh they have headway based schedules as opposed to specific you know time schedules um and then they've implemented something called lifeline service, right? We also talked about that a little bit before. Um now just a little lifeline service, who's life, right? They've completely suspended a lot of routes, including my route, the 34, shown here, and other routes, you know, which have completely deprived some neighborhoods of any kind of service, right? This is all ending May 17th. They're gonna go back to basically a regular schedule. Um even though in our in in the commonwealth of Pennsylvania coronavirus cases have only just begun to drop right um and the governor just extended our lockdown to July 4th although he's not on TV and Andrew Cuomo is um and this lifeline service has you know completely deprived certain neighborhoods of service right so this is north philadelphia right this whole area here um, round about Lehigh Avenue going down to Montgomery Avenue just north of Cecil B. Moore this whole area used to have another bus line that would connect with the Broad Street line this way and this way I believe that was the 54 and then there was mm-hmm. the 7 went north south right? I think that's the 33 uh, 33, excuse me, yeah yeah. the 7's over here, I'm done
2: just closer to my house, that's the only reason I know
0: Yes. So both those buses were suspended as part of lifeline service, right? And this area is not small, right? And no. and if you're even if you're close to say the 7, you need to take the Broad Street line. You're not going to take the 7 to the 15 or the 3. You're going to wind up saying it's going to be faster for me to walk 2 miles. So, this is a huge amount of area that was just left with no service whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I guess if you're young and fit, sure, walking two miles, not a big deal. If you're not young and fit, mm-hmm. not so good.
2: Yeah, and I think the only things that I'd add are, yeah, I mean, the ability to have a meaningful transfer uh, with the service reduced like this is ridiculous. I mean, um, we, there are some articles in the Inquirer of people who usually have hour and a half commutes across city, which is just terrible. Like, I, I can't imagine losing that. I used to drive to Princeton from Center City every day, and then it felt like dying after a year. But you can't have transfers with this kind of system. Um, trips that would usually take 30 or 45 minutes, can, you can just be sitting on both ends of that for 30 or 45 minutes uh, without a bus in sight. Um, I think the other thing that's worth mentioning is that there's, um, this area kind of comprises Strawberry Mansion and, uh, is that Allegheny that it gets up to, Justin? Uh, Allegheny West? Or is it...
0: I think it's Allegheny. Uh, Liam's more familiar with this area than I am. I think this is, this is 33rd
2: and... Liam, 25th in Cambria.
1: Yeah, that's fucking up there. Yeah. And that's basically Allegheny, yeah, I mean, that's, for for an area where especially a lot of people have to commute, and mm-hmm. a lot of people end up commuting to the suburbs, if you had to take the 124 to, to the King of Prussia area, because that's where you worked, I, I used to take it every day, I am familiar, I used to take, uh, fuck, uh, the L to 69th, and then 69th to... The high speed line, and then the high speed line out to the King of Prussia area, and I had to get on the 124 or 125. Actually, if you had to fucking do that with this buster, I mean, you can basically assume you're going to get fired through no fault of your own because how the fuck are you supposed to get to work?
0: You're going to spend six hours of your day commuting.
2: Yeah, yeah. and uh, also uh, this is this is one of the lowest income zip codes in Philadelphia. Um, the, the ones that are on the west side of Broad Street, north of Center City, um, they abut the rapidly gentrifying portion, but these are places where, because of redlining and uh, racism, uh, the houses have lead paint problems that are often not corrected by, la- by absentee landlords, water intrusion issues that bring black mold, so... What Justin was talking about with um, the health of the people who live here, there are many opportunities for significantly negative health outcomes just because of the poorly maintained but uh, affordable to you house that you live in where there's no meaningful oversight of your living condition and through no fault of your own, you know, your kid has developmental disabilities because of lead paint dust. Um, all, these, all these horrible negative health outcomes and SEPTA showing, you know, showing the world that we live in decides to cut all service through this part of Center City that again, the people who are working on the, fr- the front lines of COVID are not people who have laptops and work day jobs. They are people who need to go to work and make seven twenty-five or eight twenty-five an hour, um, and keep the city alive. And really showing them the least amount of respect of of anybody in this crisis just makes my head hurt. Um, and
0: while well, y'all are actually commuting out to King of Prussia from this area, don't um, do it. I don't. There's not a there's not a one twenty four bus stop somewhere right around here, is there?
1: Hell no, there's not. I oh, not what I thought. Yeah, that thing you, gets right on fucking seventy six. You you might be paying. Like you might three, you might get th- lucky, and I don't even know. Take the nine. You but would like, probably you'd have be to get down three to reach fares
0: it. each way. Yep. You'd be yep. paying three, three yep. fares each way unless you have a pass. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you're not in the sort of economic situation where you can afford a pass every month, you're mm-hmm. you're
2: paying six fares a day. Mm-hmm. and passes are capped right so Yes they are if you take if you take 6 6 a day you might run through two passes a a month So again there's all kinds of there's all kinds of long term issues that Philadelphia Transit Riders Union is really focused on making sure we get sunlight on um, because ultimately anybody who can you know rub two sticks together to make fire um or whatever metaphor you want to use, anybody with half a brain can look at this and say, this is messed up. This is wrong. And this is not the right way to run a public agency. Um, and we need to, we need to do something about it because we have an unprecedented, unprecedented opportunity to create a new world. Um, or we can see what returning to the old world looks like on May 17th. Um, it's ludicrous. Yes. so, Um
0: which I guess we sort of talked about earlier, I was gonna do it here on this slide, except it's still trying to push through this fare restructuring, which is an increase except for everyone who's paying in cash. Um you know, and you know, the thing is they wanna push this through during a pandemic just because, you know, your your transit fare um unlike other transportation user fees, you know, like the gas tax or the vehicle registration fee, or tolls. Public transit uh, fares increase with inflation, so they're, they just want to do this as usual. Then I understand, uh June, you mentioned before there was a nine minute meeting before, where they said <laughs> so they, world would record. Accept, they would accept public comment and didn't address any of
2: it. <laughs> Right. So, I mean, again, you go to a SEPTA board meeting not to talk to a customer service representative because you can call those people or email those people with numbers that are on the website. Oh, yeah. I can abuse SEPTA- a
0: low wage worker anytime I want. I want to abuse a Pad Dion. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. I <laughs> you fu-
2: go to the SEPTA board meeting to yell at those people's bosses because you need the problem solved. You don't just need an outlet for your frustration at the SEPTA board meeting that happened in April because they canceled the March one because they couldn't get their technical, uh, acumen together. Um, the April board meeting was closed to the public. You could dial in and listen, but you could not participate. Um, and it was nine minutes long. They said the pledge, they ran through some reports. Uh, they had a very brief, but, um, somewhat, you know, depending on how you, what your perspective is, They had a brief mention that the three employees of SEPTA who had died up to that point said a little bit about them, which was nice to hear, but extremely unfortunate, Um, and then closed out the meeting by saying, yeah, we're going to respond to everybody who wrote in via email. And, you know, this is particularly frustrating because the transit, the Philadelphia Transit Riders Union had uh, reached out or had had found and connected with 30 different workers who were still using the system to commute to and from work. Uh, we asked them and we were able to get them to share their stories of how a fair increase would affect them. And their voices were completely, completely out of the conversation here. Now, maybe, you know, I don't I don't know what your capacity is for doing extra credit reading about your work or your job. But I'm sure that if I was on the SEPTA board and uh, just trying to not worry about this and get back to my family and get back to working at my day job, you know, looking at, looking at comments, maybe scanning through them and saying, oh yeah, these people, uh, this is great. Okay, cool. Thanks. Uh, somebody else gets to handle it whose job it is to handle this. So the whole idea of this being a public meeting where you can actually, uh, make a meaningful complaint was, was thrown out the window and it kind of calls into question, uh, these upcoming fair hear, fair increase hearings or fair restructuring hearings, uh, and the whole mechanism behind them, what what it says on the Septa website is also kind of ridiculous. If I can even pull it up for a second, I might have it right here. Um, it's they're going to read a a written statement or they're going to read a pre recorded statement at the beginning of the meeting, and then a facilitator is going to be available to hear people's objections. So again, what the transit riders union is pushing for is a, uh, a meaningful response to this, which is not to hold meetings that during the middle of a pandemic, instead providing fares that work as a bailout for people and keep emergency workers getting to work. Um, I think that's, I think that's about all the steam I have on that one, but it's just so, yeah. And again, the fare the fare increase hearings are every 3 years they're they keep the cost of the fare rising with inflation in ways that other modes of transit don't have and this is a system that our elected officials and our appointed mem- board members and all that stuff choose to perpetuate on the backs of uh the people who ride public transit in the poorest big city in america we just to our uh, the stupid
0: situation where riding in a big bus with 60 other people is more expensive than driving your own car it's it's you know because that's almost where we are at this point
1: i mean if you have good insurance it's damn near close right gas is pretty fucking cheap now mm, that's that's not exactly the position uh, uh transit uh agency should have, but here
0: we are. Yeah, I was about to say, you know, everyone's bought all their negative negative priced oil stored it in their basement, you know. (laughs) A hundred barrels just sitting in the backyard.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh yeah, it's uh... (laughs) It's my college retirement fund. Yeah. Uh.
0: Uh, yeah, so I guess to sort of start to conclude here, we talked about what is TRU doing earlier, um, but you know, we're trying to organize still. We're trying to get people out for these um, these hearings or these uh, these meetings, right? You know, it's difficult to organize during a pandemic because it's not like we can go out into a bus and you know talk to people. Can't do that because might get the coronavirus. Not good. Um, if you're listening to this, especially if you live in the Philadelphia area, as we mentioned before, um, we do have a petition that's linked below, petition to stop the fair hike, um, and, you know, that's to support us, but also, you know, for action, we'll be contacting everyone on that list who signs to prepare them to participate in the fair hearings live, right? So, ah, crap. I did a thing there. Um, So, you know, go to phillytru.org or go to the link in the description. Um, Hearings are May 26th, 2020, 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Excuse me, Eastern Daylight Time. um, And May 27th, 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. We will also be live streaming the hearings. Um, on the Philly Transit Riders Union however we decide to do that, follow the Twitter um, and yeah, show up uh, yell at the board um, welcome yes and yes. if you're not in the Philly area shout out to the many other transit riders at transit riders unions and organizations across the country just wanted to shout them out because I believe we were all on a group call recently, which I missed, or something like that. Me too. So, if you are in, there are many organizations you can join. If you are in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, you can join Pittsburghers for Public Transit. If you're in Cleveland, Ohio, you could join Clevelanders for Public Transit. If you are in Atlanta, Georgia, you can join, this is my favorite one, you can join the, so the Marta Army. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you are in Nashville, Tennessee. You can join Music City Riders United. You are in Cincinnati, Ohio. You can join the Better Bus Coalition. You are in Seattle, Washington. You can join Seattle Transit Riders Union. You are in Memphis, Tennessee you can join Memphis Bus Riders Union. If you are in Detroit, Michigan, you can join the Motor City Freedom Riders. If you are in Minneapolis or St. Paul, you have the Twin Cities Transit Riders Union. If you are in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, you can join the Milwaukee Transit Riders Union. And there are many more. This was just what I was told to shout out. Um... <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, there's all kinds of effort. There's all kinds of efforts underway. There's all kinds of different ways to help out with each of these organizations. Um they're all doing really important work right now, especially if you are a person who is uh trying to envision a, a better a better and greener world and a better public transit system that actually works for uh your local city or where you live. Um this is really this is really important stuff that is often overlooked and is often behind the scenes, but um, we have an opportunity to really shine some sunshine on it and make sure that some good things uh, come of this, this crisis as we prepare to, you know, create create a new future that maybe includes everybody going back to work and feeling great about that. And then two weeks later seeing what happens or a more long term durable strategy where our elected officials and appointed people are held accountable for um, really creating better outcomes.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, you know, this is all going to end. Uh, get back on mm-hmm. a bus when it does. Take the bus. Bus is good. Take the bus. Yes. <laughs> bus is great. Bus good. Car bad. Um, so. <laughs> all right. So, I think that was the episode. Uh, next week we'll cover the Dacoma Narrows Bridge disaster. Finally. Yes. Yay. So, Can't wait. I know this whole thing was a commercial for Philly Transit Riders Union, but does anyone have any commercials before we go? Uh,
2: I can start. Um, you, can, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at R I T T S Q U RIT Square. Uh, where I post, uh, where I retweet random stupid shit I find and complain about the Philly transit riders union and, uh, post pictures of the PSFS building, uh, Frank Furness buildings and other, uh, cool Philly gems that I find around town. Um, you should also at least check out the Philly true website at PhillyTru.org Um, and consider, uh, consider becoming a member and, and getting involved.
0: Uh it's
2: my advertisement
0: is Franklin eleven. It's out now. Franklin twelve. Coming sooner than one year from now. Um one hopes. We would hope, yes. Um,
1: uh, all right. um I don't know. Follow me on Twitter at old man Anderson. Don't be a transphobe. Uh yes. and yes. uh that's it.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, we pray for release of, uh, Alice from the Time Scoop. Oh yeah, I um, forgot she got Time Scooped. Yeah, she got Time Scooped by a, the, uh, shave. the Time Lords slash Landlords. Oh, um, oh,
1: very clever. God. Yeah. Synergy!
2: <laughs> I wish her luck in her quest. Um, God. Big, big weird <laughs> hat. Big weird hat.
0: Um. Alright. I think that was an episode.
2: All right. Cool. Thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Right, thanks no for coming on. Oh, anytime. Um, yeah, maybe you'll do an engineering disaster about. Uh, I don't know. <coughs> some other area of expertise I have that I is limited right now. Uh, 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 are oh, friends, the episode. You could do park friends groups. That's another. Uh, <laughs> that's another massive failure of. Uh, state <laughs> <would say> government. Ah. <laughs> uh,
1: All right. All
0: right. right. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Cool.
2: Bye, everybody.